Tonight's show is brought to you by the 2022 Ozarks Home and Outdoor Recreation Expo, Bendetti Optics, and you, our listeners. Temperature-wise, it was only in the low 90s, but in Arkansas, where basically everything south of the Arkansas River's Valley is known as Satan's Sweat Shack, which is 100% not true, and I totally just made that up off the top of my head, but it should be. Because that's what it's like. I mean, can we make that a thing? If we can't make that a thing, somebody at least needs to name a cabaret that. What is up, all of you wayward souls, and welcome back to the Wayward Stories podcast. Wayward Stories is the podcast where we tell stories of our wanderings and our wonderings, adventures and self-discovery. It's the podcast where we just talk a lot because as it turns out, I have quite a penchant for blabbing. And anyway, it's serving me well for the purposes of this podcast, but in other scenarios in life, I, uh, you know, maybe I don't know when to shut up sometimes, but that's neither here nor there and none of your business to be quite frank. So let's get going on tonight's show. How are you guys doing this week? How are you doing tonight? Um, I'm doing well. I always love sitting here behind this mic. I'm doing really good because I'm in the studio recording. However, it is a late night in the studio here in studio 119 it is definitely a late night and it's going to be even later night when i finally get to sit down and start editing this thing but it is the monday before the tuesday when this week's episode is supposed to drop thus has become my life y'all it is what it is and i am not complaining for one second because i literally i mean i'm still like broke i'm not living on yachts and stuff but i am literally living the life that I have been building for myself for the last five years, the goal I've been living, like moving towards and working for and like doing all this grinding for, I'm living it right now. It's still hard. It's still hard. We still grind it. But this exactly, this right here is exactly what I wanted to see myself doing in five years. And things are starting to go the way we want them to go. That goes from taking college courses all the way into this very podcast and the awesome, exciting stuff that's going on with the podcast right now. It, it, it like all comes down to this. It comes down to this. I am living what I have been building for myself. However, at this moment, it is utter chaos. My life is a little bit like watching a train wreck. Um, it's crazy. I'm keeping up, but I am barely keeping up. Hence, I'm in the studio late tonight. And got to get this dude edited, uploaded, and dropped on multiple platforms by tomorrow night. And, you know, there has to be sleep at some point, And I also have to work tomorrow. So, anyway, we are going to be burning both ends of the candle or the midnight oil, as they say. There's a lot of good sayings about staying up late at night. But, anyway, before we get into the show tonight, let's do talk about the Ozarks Holman recreation expo which is part of what i'm talking about when i say the podcast is really doing this thing right now that's super super exciting this is super exciting just since i've tagged on to them and we've started working together apparently you know i'm not sure where they stand on promotional materials and all that i know we're still working out lots and lots of the details and kind of getting things going but apparently it's getting out there somewhere because i have seen my downloads rise um i don't want to say dramatically but significantly my downloads have 
increased a great deal. It has already been a very positive thing, getting a lot more interaction from you guys and all of our new listeners. If any of you are new listeners, welcome aboard. It's a little dysfunctional over here, but that's the whole point of this podcast is we're trying to work our way through that dysfunction. That's what this is all about. Hence the name, right? Wayward stories. What does that even mean, Justin? I don't know if I've ever fully explained that to anyone, but just the colloquial idea of the term wayward. You know, if you go look up the definition, it's kind of a bad thing. It's like the bad kid, the wayward son, right? And of course, the song that we're all, you know, completely and totally familiar with. But the idea of wavered is simply like lost the path. That's how society uses it. And that's how it's meant here. These are stories. These are wavered stories of my own, like a path that I had lost and I have been working diligently to regain. And it's just, I don't know. There's a whole concept behind it. It's like artsy fartsy. I don't know. It's artsy fartsy. There's that side of me too, but it's all happening like the way that we have planned it and have been building it to happen. And that's super exciting because now it's starting to happen. We're getting all these downloads. I'm happy to have all of you new listeners on board. Please, please comment guys, send me emails, at, you know, my wayward story at gmail.com. Get in touch. Definitely. I want to talk to you guys. I love interacting with you guys. And any of y'all out there that have taken the time to do that, you know full well, though you can't raise your hand here in a test for all of your fellow listeners, but you know full well, I will engage you thoroughly and it won't be a one-off, hey, get out of my hair, you know, comment or whatever. I'll, I'll set an email with you. I've talked on the phone to some of you guys. I love the connection. So make sure and get in touch. If you got anything you want to say, any advice you want to offer, or if you just think we stink, Give me a call. We can have an adult conversation about it, and I will try to get better every time. So, anyway, you guys welcome aboard. As far as the Ozarks Home and Recreation Expo, Outdoor Recreation Expo, it's a long name, y'all. It's a little bit of a mouthful. It's a long name. I got to get used to saying it all the time. Things on that end of the spectrum are going really, really cool. Like I said, I've seen an increase in downloads already. I got some really cool stuff lined up guys like i'm gonna give you a little teaser of it right now but i'm not gonna announce any of it until it all really comes in and i have it in my hands and i can talk a lot about it a little more freely and kind of play it up but um our sponsor bendetti optics is sending us some pretty sweet swag and a significant bit of it to give away at the expo from our booth so you're gonna want to come to the expo and come say hi to me if for no other reason than to get a stab at getting some sunglasses some t-shirts a lot of cool stuff that they're sending over here they're just kind of finalizing they're waiting on some stuff to come in from the print shop right now to get those care packages sent my way and i can start parsing them out into giveaways and also Solomon Dry Goods. I've done reviews on Solomon Dry Goods. My guy, Robert Solomon, he's up, I think, around Oklahoma City. He's right here in the heart of the country, and he is hand-making search and rescue tactical gear. Any of you SAR folks out there, check out Solomon Dry Goods. I got his card right here. Let me actually get his. You need to go check him out. Instagram, it's Solomon.Dry.Goods. That's his tag is at Solomon.Dry.Goods. Go check out his stuff if you're into search and rescue or if you just like a really sweet chest rig, you know, it's like a fanny pack, but cool. Chest rigs are like fanny packs for cool people. Okay, so check out some of his stuff, but he has already sent it. It actually came in the mail today and I just had the opportunity to put my eyes on it. And there's one piece of it that I don't know, just between you and me, I might not give away. I might accidentally lose it like in my closet. It's 
freaking sweet. At the very least, what'll really happen is I'll end up ordering one from him as soon as I have the expendable income. But we've got cool stuff happening, guys. We've got some sponsors of this very show or people that I have made relationships with that are sending stuff in that want to be a part of it, that want to be able to, you know, draw some more people to this booth, to our booth at Wayward Stories, where we can talk to them about the show and maybe, maybe draw in some more listeners and keep building this juggernaut, turning it into a juggernaut. That's what we hope for at some point. We want it to be a juggernaut, but lots of cool stuff happening. I got all of my promotional material designed and ordered. That has taken a significant amount of the last two weeks of my life, getting things designed to spec. And, and I am super, super happy with some of the, some of the um, products. And when that stuff comes in from the print shop, I will be sure and drop some videos on the old Instagram page and TikTok. Y'all go and check that out. Like keep your eyes on my Instagram and my TikTok because I'm going to have that stuff available. I'm going to put it up for you guys to see and comment on and give me some ideas. Give me some feedback because it will definitely not be the only run of materials I need to order. And I'm always up for making little tweaks and little changes, anything that, you know, might make the product just a little bit better. But super, super, super psyched about that stuff coming in. It looks great. So all we got to do is get it in our hands and see the final proof and make sure the print house did a good job. Anyway, lots of cool stuff going on. It's super exciting, but also super hectic over here. And I need to start talking about the, you know, like the actual subject of tonight's episode before I lose all of you. Because that's one comment I have gotten is that my housekeeping's too long. I will say this. Everything we talked about tonight was on brand. And I at least shoot for that. So for any of you who hung around, let's get into tonight's show. So what is Tonight's show about what are we going to talk about? Tonight, we're going to take a little trip into the Ozark Mountains, older brother's house, which is the Washita Mountains. You know, I often talk about the rest of the country sleeps on the Ozarks. And uh, my my boy from the Roton Night Hikers, we were texting about this. I told y'all, I get in touch with you guys. I have real relationships with some of my listeners. Like we were texting on the phone. Last, what, two weeks ago, I think it was now. And we were talking about some of this stuff. Um, how people sleep on the Ozarks. Everyone trying to go to the Smokies. Everyone's trying to go to the Rockies, which you should do. I have done myself and will go back. But everyone sleeps on us. Now that's starting to change. People are waking up. And we are becoming some kind of a mecca. Some kind of an epicenter for outdoor enthusiasts. And that's cool. And it's also not cool in a lot of ways. But there's always good with the bad. But we were just talking about that. But when it comes to the state of Arkansas and the great outdoors, it's the Ozarks. Everyone talks about the Ozarks. And with good reason. With the Buffalo River, um, the Mulberry River, the Whitewater, the smallmouth fishing, all those things. However, people, in the, even in the state of Arkansas, sleep on the Washita Mountains. The Washita Mountains is south of the Arkansas River. Think of the Arkansas River as it comes down from you know, roughly, actually, right about Leadville, Colorado. I went and saw the very, very beginning of the, the Arkansas River a couple of years ago, comes down through Colorado, cuts across Oklahoma, and then it basically bisects right through the center of Arkansas. It kind of goes at a little bit of a meandering. It kind of edges southeast, but it kind of cuts Arkansas in half. North of the River Valley, you have the Ozarks. Here in the River Valley, it's just really hot. And then south of the River Valley, you have the Washita's. The Washita's are, I would say, almost every bit as dramatic of a mountain range as the Ozarks, but they are a little bit different. There's a little bit different geology going on there, but 
they have their own awesome float rivers. They have, as a matter of fact, one of the like premier prime whitewater rivers. Well, the premier whitewater river in this state for sure. But in the United States, y'all, the Cossatot, we're going to talk about the Cossatot in the future because I've done a few trips down there, the Cossatot, um, the Washita River. I've not done the Caddo, and that's kind of why I'm putting it off is because I have plans. I have big plans for float on the Caddo River sometime in the next year, hopefully sooner. Um, and then we're going to put that episode together. But the Cossatot, Cossatot is an indigenous word, y'all, and it means skull crusher. That's how mean and nasty the Cossatot is, is a whitewater river. People freaking love it. It is a cool, cool river. But these mountains, this smallmouth fishing is just as good. The camping is probably better, and I'll stand by that. I will, later on, I will actually quantify that statement. I'll qualify that statement a little bit more later on. But I'd say the camping is better. Definitely the opportunity to commune with nature in a more silent, still, and natural state is there because it is so much less popular. It's not getting beaten to death by tourists. Um, but people forget about it. People sleep on the Washita's within the state of Arkansas. And there are some great, great, great mountains. Like there are some awesome, awesome hikes down in there, but it's way more rugged. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about a hike within the Washita mountain range. Came to my attention, actually, originally, um... On the old Facebook, but because I'm on the search and rescue team and it, I realized suddenly, like in my brain, you know, for most of my life. And of course I grew up in the state of Oklahoma for like the first half of my life. And then I've spent the last 20 something years here in the river Valley in Arkansas. Basically Sebastian County, the County I I'm in sort of like ended just on the other side of Greenwood in my brain. Because I never looked it up, just south of town, like eight, ten miles south of town. To me, in my brain, that's where Sebastian County ended, and boom, Scott County starts, and you've got the mountains. Because all these last five or six years in search and rescue, you know, everything we always do, we never have much in the mountains down there because no one, no, no one ever goes there. Um, there's no one there to get lost or injured, right? Um, and so in my brain, I was like, okay. That's just where it ends. We don't have anything but this dang river. And, you know, we usually go out of county to assist on things for other places, like the Franklin County, the Mulberry, you know, all these other places. But, but it dawned on me one day because I saw it on Facebook that people were going to the Bellstar Cave and Slate Falls on their UTVs. And I was like, Bellstar Cave in Arkansas. Well, that's a new one on me. So I started doing my research and found out it's literally right on the county line with Scott County. And it is deep, deep, deep into those very Washita mountains. And that's when I realized, you know, you've seen that I was today's years old when I learned this was just like two, you know, a year and a half ago was when I learned that Spastic County kept going for quite a way South. You know, that's one of those things that never came to my attention. I would remember something like that. Cause I'm kind of a nerd about maps and things like that, but I just didn't realize and suddenly I was like, Oh, y'all, y'all, that's an Arger. Yeah. You know, that's our coverage area. Those are our mountains. Everything on the north side of that county road, of the north side of Poto Mountain Road, that's ours. We got to get down there. We got pre-planned. Someone's going to get hurt because it's getting popular all of a sudden. People are taking UTVs and side-by-sides down there and going down on these crazy trails. And sure enough, you know, just not what, it was just a few months ago, somebody went off a cliff over there and was injured pretty badly. And there was a lifelight, you know, involved in a lot of not good stuff. But that was the whole point. I realized, crap, we've got these awesome 
trails. And so I really started paying more attention. Point of all that is to say, I started paying more attention to what there is to do south because I too have been inordinately hyper-focused on the Ozarks, again, with good reason. But what's been going on in the Ozarks? Things have been getting more and more out of hand with the number of visitors they're getting. And it's getting a little bit gross in some situations. And, you know, I know I try to represent our state in a super positive way, but I'm also a real dude and I'm going to sit here and tell you real things. And sometimes, you know, people may not like it. Sometimes try not to be rude. I try not to be blunt, but I definitely try to be truthful and tactful. But the honest truth is it's getting way overcrowded in some very amazing places in the Ozarks. And it's like time for me because I've been to all of them a billion times. It's time to me for me to start looking elsewhere and kind of alleviate a little bit of the at least frustration that I get when I'm standing in line waiting for something on a trail in the quote unquote middle of nowhere. It's gotten quite that way in a lot of places. It's gotten a little bit over. um, It's become a little bit overcrowded in certain places. And, you know, like I said, not trying to step on anyone's toes or hurt anyone's feelings, but it is a fact of the matter. And so I've started looking elsewhere in this state and well obviously other states because i'm always looking to travel but the washita's started paying more attention okay if any of you out there a lot of you guys over in europe that listen there's a big contingent of you guys in europe that have been listening and for the life of me i don't know i'm glad you're enjoying it I, i don't know thank you for listening but don't just go on to the old Google box and type in Washita the way it sounds. It is not phonetic. It is an indigenous word and it is spelled O-U-A-C-H-I-T-A. Any of you guys watching on YouTube, just watch me close my eyes and spell it out in my head. I didn't put it right in front of me. O-U-A-C-H-I-T-A. Um, it's spelled kind of like Cheetah. Yeah, and it actually probably was sort of pronounced that way originally. What it means is land of the big hunt. And it mo- essentially, most people agree that what that means is that's where the buffalo were. Um, for the natives, that's where they went to hunt buffalo. But it is pronounced, I suppose, um, Washita. And it has been bastardized in a way um, in certain scenarios. And I think that this is even unclear in the etymology. I remember looking into this once a few years ago, and I'm pretty sure it's even unclear. It seems obvious because there's a, there are a W-A-S-H-I-T-A, Washita mountain range, a Washita river in Oklahoma, not far away from this Washita river. And most people kind of make that link that, you know, historians and the like make that link that it's probably just a misspelling, you know, a local colloquial misspelling of the pronunciation of that word that the French originally gave to um, this river in this area, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. But if you go to Google it just because you want to look into this, because there's some amazing rivers down there to float, guys, O-U-A-C-H-I-T-A. And that's not for all of you local listeners. That's for everyone else in the world, because as much as it may surprise you as much as it surprises me, but literally there are people listening on almost every continent right now. I'm just shooting for Antarctica. I want Antarctica. If any, oh God, if any of you guys know any scientific researchers down on the research stations in Antarctica, send them a message and say, hey, listen to this. I don't care if they like it, y'all. I don't even care if they like it. Just make them open it once so I can see that in my statistics that someone in Antarctica listened to at least a second of this episode, but we're like on every continent, but Antarctica now. And that is freaking cool as heck to me. But anyway, um, and it's also a little bit mind numbing. I don't know. What have we come to that people listen to me anyway, anyway, moving on. 
the Wanchitas are, here's like their primary differences with the Ozarks. Because people think of the Ozarks and, and you see all of these amazing places, but y'all, they're not that hard to get to. Okay, I'm just going to say that they are not that stinking hard to get to because some of the biggest, craziest trails, like as far as like, let's say fairly tough hikes, they're mostly about elevation gain and distance. Like, let's say the, the Compton Trailhead, Center Point Trail down to the Goat Bluff, that hike slaps, y'all. It is a whole thing. What is it? 1,272 feet of elevation gain in like 2.2 miles. It, it, it is a gasher. As my high school football coach used to say, it'll kill you. Like, and a lot of people go down there. They ain't prepared for that. Like I told y'all that story several episodes back about, it. I thought we were going to have to carry that one girl. I didn't even know who she was out of there. She was about to go out and it's a crazy hike, but it's all elevation gain and it's rugged. You drive right to the trailhead on a state highway. Y'all, you pull off of a paved state highway right onto the trailhead for that trail. It's the hike itself is clear as a bell. It's clear all the way down because 40 quadrillion people hike it every single day. It's insanity. It's an easy hike. It's just physically taxing because of the elevation gain in such a short distance. You know, you don't have time to adjust for that. You're just hoofing straight out. When you leave, it's all uphill for 2.2 miles and it's a heck of an incline to gain 1200, almost 1300 feet in two miles. Y'all, you're doing some climbing. It's insane, but it's easy to access. Most things are. I mean, I've told you, you go back and listen to the Eden Falls Cave um, and Trail and Waterfall episode. I told you guys about it's a great hike. It's one of my favorite in the state because it's got three or four awesome features and it's a super, super accessible hike, but it's also super accessible. You pull right off a state highway, you maybe hit a gravel road for like a minute. If that it's not, it's more like a long gravel driveway into a parking lot. Um, and you can hike the heck out of it. It's an easy hike, a super easy hike. There's not even much elevation gain in it. All the really awesome stuff is super easily accessible in the Ozarks. The Washita's are different. The Washita's nothing is accessible because they have not become that, you know, popular. The state hasn't had a chance or even the need or the opportunity to lean into building accessibility options in parking lots and all these things like because no one goes there. So for you guys that are like me, that absolutely treasure the solitude and the magnificence of unspoiled nature, untouched by, you know, man as much as can be, the Washita's are for you, my friend. Let me tell you, they are rugged as heck they are not well um maintained trails most of them i mean it's almost all a bushwhack you know where you're going but you're like there might have been a trail here once a long time ago but i'm kind of not even sure that that's the case it's you're bushwhacking most of it if you come across anything that's clear it's a utv or side-by-side -side trail let me tell you something those things destroy trails okay they make a trail but it is hard for a human to walk and we're about to talk about that but the washita's are in a way, you could see it as the Ozark's little brother because no one pays much attention to them, but they are the older brother. They are the more remote brother. For those of you that are about the experience of the wilderness and some peace and quiet and kind of just being out there with nature, they're, they're where it's at. They are where it's at. So we're going to talk about that. Um, 
part of the reason for that and the draw for so many of us is going to be the fact that this is mostly mostly national forest. There's a very, very, very minute section of the Ozarks, very small, very small, like per capita, per percentage, whatever, by percentage of the Ozarks are actually like national forest, at least here in the state of Arkansas. There's quite a bit in Missouri. Um, but down here, we're talking national forest. We're talking dispersed camping. We're talking if you have ATVs, four-wheelers, UTVs, side-by-sides, you can drive anywhere the heck you want to. You have forest floor, dispersed forest floor camping. You can do kind of whatever you want as long as it's within the bounds of a legal, you know, the legal structure of this great United States of ours. It's way more remote. There's no one there because it's national forest. There's not much more there than just vast expanses of wilderness, y'all all for your using. Yeah, there is the random scattered homestead, the little piece of land that someone would not give up when the government came with their eminent domain. And they gave, you know, Uncle Sam the big middle finger and said, you can't take what my family owns. And good for them, by the way, though I do love the National Forest. Um, You will come across that. But the, the people per 100 acres or 10 acres or however that demographic is figured, it is like nothing. It's like one in 100 acres, one person in 100 square acres or two square miles. I remember I looked into this many years ago. It, It blew my mind. In the Ozarks, it's all privately owned. There's very little that's not privately owned, which is one reason the Buffalo River Valley gets blown the heck out every single weekend all summer and throughout most of the winter is because it's one of the the big swaths of land that is owned by the federal government for all of us to go and enjoy. So, you know, there's goods and bads to all of this back whichever way you look at it. But if you're about the silence and the solitude, the Washita's y'all, the Washita's, and we're going to talk about that. Where we are specifically going tonight is the Poto Mountain Wilderness. It is just off of Poto Mountain Road that cuts all the way across the top of one certain ridge, one particular ridge of the Washita Mountains, rather. Um, and on one side, there are two particular trails, very specific trails, Slate Falls Trail and the Bell Star Cave Trail. Um, we went down there as a search and rescue team. And this is going to be a future episode, very possibly the next episode, unless some new adventure comes up between now and then. Um, and we're going to talk about pre-planning because that's what we went down there to do. Um, four of us from the team went down, stayed the night, camped, and we pre-planned um, the trail and basically the whole mountain in a general sense and the trail specifically. And it put in place plans in place to explore all the other trails we came across and other points of interest and build out a full-on pre-plan for our entire side of the county's um, section of the Washita Mountains there. It's actually a pretty neatly confined, tight little space. It's a lot of square miles, but it's easily defined by a couple of main roads, major roads. Like, it's it's something that's totally doable. It's crazy for something to be kind of bite-sized. It is a little bit of a, a bite-sized um, situation we can get into and really thoroughly pre-plan it. And that's going to be another episode because you guys really seem to enjoy the search and rescue episodes, getting a peek behind the curtain. So I intend to keep making them through the years as we go when something pertinent comes up. And we're going to talk about that in a soon forthcoming episode, if not the very next one. But I want to try to stay away from a lot of those details tonight because I want to talk about this from a hiking standpoint tonight. You know, it's a two for one deal. I can get two episodes out of one big trip with my life as busy it is as it is, as long as both of them have enough content and I think they're valuable, I'm 100% for that. I will always die by a BOGO. I'm always good for a buy one, get one. So anyway, 
these Washington mountains, y'all, these hikes, they make like the center point trail down to the goat bluff. They make the center point trail. They make it look kind of like a cakewalk because that one, there's some steps cut into it. You know, the center point trail and going down to go, there's some steps here and there. It's nice and it's well beaten. It's well-worn path. It's easy to see. You can see the snakes on the ground. You're not stepping into stuff. You don't know. This is not the case. This is not the case at all for the Bell Star Cave Trail. And we're going to tell you all about it after the break. What is up, all of you wayward souls? I want to tell you guys about our newest sponsor, Bendetti Optics, a brand based right here in the good old U.S. of A., Portland, Oregon, to be exact. And I bought my first pair of Bendetti sunglasses about a year and a half ago and fell in love with them so much so that I got online and ordered a couple of more pair. And when I did, there was a small shipping snafu, an order fulfillment snafu, and I got on the phone, gave him a call, and guess what? I get a call back from who? One of the big men themselves, right there in Portland, from the top of the chain. Have a great conversation, and we end up starting this great relationship we have. They more than made right, the little snafu that occurred. And I am now a huge proponent of them because I can tell you from personal experience, they are good people. And they are trying to compete with the big boys out there coming in at a price point of about $40, but using the exact same frame material, TR90, and the same polarization process as the big guys. As it turns out, something I think we are already probably knew in our hearts, when you buy big name sunglasses, you're buying a big name. Not necessarily any more quality than you can get somewhere else, like at Bendetti Optics. They have 29 different styles. They have multiple polarization options for whatever climate you happen to live in. And they back it up with like this lifetime guarantee that if your dog eats your sunglasses, it doesn't matter how you break them. Send it back in with a check to cover shipping and handling and you're golden. You got a new pair on the way. These guys are truly trying to do it right. And they have this philosophy that a really good pair of sunglasses should not cost you so much that you are afraid to wear them. And I think all of us outdoorsmen can relate to that. So if you guys, like me, are very practical and like to get more bang for your buck and wear some great looking sunglasses, check out BendettiOptics.com. That's B-E-N-D-E-T-T-I Optics.com. Or you can go over to Instagram slash Optics, And that I highly suggest, whether you buy a pair or not, just to check out the cutest pupper you will ever see modeling sunglasses. Once again, that's BendettiOptics.com. And make sure and let them know Wayward Stories sent you. And welcome back. Thank you guys for sticking around through the break and listening to those words from our sponsors. Super important. Helps the show a whole lot. And I do very much appreciate it. So back to tonight's story. Talking about hiking down to the Bell Star Cave in the Washita Mountains. Um, in the Poto Mountain Wilderness area. There's a lot of, lot of little qualifiers. There's a lot of little subheadings for this one. Um, the hike itself. Let's, let's get into the hike itself. Y'all, the hike is crazy. Okay. It's not a hiking trail. I don't know if it ever was a hiking trail. I have a little bit of a suspicion that it was probably an old wagon trail at some point. Cause there are some wagon trails up there. There was a homestead up there from, I believe it was the 1870s. And the people that built the homestead cut the road to the homestead. Um, and that is actually em- emblazoned on a plaque up there and kind of tells you all about it. It's a little bit mind boggling when you look around because this terrain is insane, y'all. It is steep. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, and it's very, very rocky. You know, you think, Justin, mountains are always rocky. Yeah, they can be, but not all of them are. Like when I was in San Francisco, a lot of those mountains, 
a lot of the stuff you hiked on was a whole lot of fresh earth. That was a big one. I just always thought that was crazy. You had to get over to the coast before you really hit the craggy, rocky style mountain paths and things like that. Not all mountains are. And even the ones in Northwest Arkansas, there's some really great expanses of just dirt trail before you get into some, you know, say descents over a real short period where you're going to have some more um, rock outcroppings and bluff faces and things. This down here, it's like straight down and straight up everywhere. And it's all rocks everywhere. This hike in particular, if you want to go down and check out the Bell Star Cave Trail, and I think you should, y'all, because the cave itself is awesome. We're going to get to that. But you should definitely go down. You guys, especially here in the state, some of you folks up in the Missouri Ozarks, some of you folks over in Oklahoma, you need to start spending some time coming and checking out the Washita's because they have so, so, so much to offer. Um, but these trails, what they offer to me is I've always been a fan of trekking. Okay, I used to have, like, believe it or not, I used to have a pretty big distaste for the idea of hiking years ago, okay, because I've always loved going out in the woods. I've always loved exploring, and what I did was more of what is considered trekking, I think, by today's terminology, which is sort of like you, you get, and this is how I used to do it, go get old topographic maps. I usually use them in conjunction with history books, local history books. And find a location of something, like somewhere way down south of Hebner, Oklahoma, south of Cedar Lake, down there where I grew up. Y'all, most of these people, y'all, anyone, most of my friends never even knew this. There was literally a quote-unquote tiny gold rush that happened south of Hebner, Oklahoma, and there was a town platted out, plotted out, called Goldville. And I found it on a map. I found it in a history book, went and found it on old maps, and then I went trekking. I got as close as I could by car, and then I took off across the woods. That's the kind of exploring I was always into. And to this day, that's the kind of exploring I'm still kind of into. Having preset trails that are well-worn and well-emblazoned, not, I mean, it's cool. Like, trust me, I use the heck out of them, and I love hiking. I still love going to see the things. There's always a reason. If there's a trail, there's usually a reason that there's a trail there. It's going somewhere amazing that you need to see with your own eyes, especially if it's going down here in the state of Arkansas. Probably true of Colorado, Montana, Wyoming, anywhere in Arizona. Yeah, it's it's not every state. Hiking trails I found in Indiana, most of them just kind of are there for the sake of hiking itself. Um, there are some cool state parks. I talked about that in, um, I think it was the hike back in time episode, Rocky Hollow there in Indiana and Turkey Run State Park and Shade State Park. Um, but there are some states that aren't as fortunate and blessed as many of us are, especially here in Arkansas with all of our awesome hiking trails. They're usually going somewhere amazing, like a 205 foot waterfall or a 505 foot bluff face. You know, that's, that's how we roll here in Arky. But these trails down here in the Southland, south of the Arkansas River, y'all, the one down to the Bell Star Cave, you know, we set out to pre-plan it. We took a lot of orange tape. We're going to make sure and fresh blaze the trail. Make sure there's good fresh markings. You know, we're going to find our way down. We picked up a whole crap ton of trash. Y'all don't do that. Leave no trace. I'm not even going to go off down that trail, but let me just put it to you this way. The people who drive the trail or use the trail are on side-by-sides. And everything we took out of there, we took a boatload of beer cans. And I promise you, they came off as side-by-sides. Because this trail, 972 feet and 3.3 miles. 
You're not drinking beer walking up and down this trail. This is not a leisurely stroll in the woods. And I used to ride four-wheelers. I know what's going on. I know what's going on. You guys out there, you side-by-side riders, set a good example for your brothers and your sisters that do that. Be, you know, follow hiking, you know, um, principles, please. Follow, you know, wilderness principles that we all try to adhere to. Leave no trace. If you see trash, pick it up and bring it out with you. But anyway, we set out to do that. I digress. We set out to do that. We we're going to pick up trash. We were going to blaze the trail fresh. We were going to, this is the most important part, hike it, see it with our own eyes and see how steep and treacherous it was. See possible points for, you know, people to get injured or whatever. Just kind of get an idea. That's what a pre-plan is. But so we set out. We sent out down this trail and you get the first, I would say, quarter of a mile, pretty smooth, pretty flat. First thing we find, big old bear print, big old bear print. You can't see this on the podcast, but on YouTube, you can't big old bear print. It's on my Instagram and my Facebook. Go check it out for the rest of you. Um, That's fun. There are a lot of black bear. There are black bear down there. And it's rumored that black bear live in this cave that is known as the bell star cave i did not see any evidence of that for the record but there's definitely a bear up at the top of the trail i can tell you that so we start down and the first thing you notice after it starts to drop off you drop fast in essentially three miles you drop 972 feet okay hiking downhill y'all for you experienced hikers especially in really really treacherous terrain you know what I'm talking about. Even when you're going downhill, it's always hard. I'd say it's harder than coming up. I prefer hiking up. It's harder to keep your balance on extreme inclines when you're hiking down. You're leaning back against the natural build of your body, your natural body morphology. You have to lean back into it. That's an unnatural way to walk. And it's real easy for you to hit slick rocks, you know, just gravelly rocks, just fly right out from under you because of the mass of your body plus gravity and all the things combine into a little bit of probably calculus again satan's tongue um and it's not easy to do it requires a lot of concentration but it also requires a lot of physical it's like you physically have a lot going on trying to hold yourself together going down a hill and it's dang near as exhausting y'all this is the kind of steep where you use small trees and saplings and branches and limbs and anything you can find to help stable yourself, stabilize yourself as you go down, steady yourself. Um, and there are also a lot for all of you that are listening for the sake of getting ideas and trips to go to, you know, this is the kind of review part of the episode, um, of the hike itself. There are a ton of what I call ankle breakers, you know, for people like me who have this un inhuman ability to pop their knees out in and out of place at will. Um, it does that as well, but it's easier and, uh, rolls off the tongue better say ankle breakers rocks, the size of golf balls, the size of baseballs and softballs, um, that are rounded in some way, shape or form. They may be oblong. They may be shaped like eggs, what a, eggs, whatever they're, they're rocks, but they're round enough. If you step on it, when you're trying to go downhill, it's like a 35 degree incline. It, it's, it's a tragedy waiting to happen. I am telling you, and this trail is full of them because it is a side-by-side trail. If it were ever a hiking trail, it is no longer. It's a side-by-side trail and good portions of it are what we call a scramble in the hiking world, which means you're climbing in a way. You're not bouldering per se, because they're not exactly boulders, but you are scrambling. You're doing a whole lot of kind of 
picking your way through a tiny strewn boulder field, so to speak. Um, you gotta be real careful, guys. This is a this is a strenuous hike. How many of y'all raise your hands? Testify. How many of you have fallen victim to an all trails moderate hike? Y'all. Y'all. All trails up until recently, and maybe it still does. I didn't go in and try to change it or write any emails, but they call this a moderate hike. It's not moderate. Y'all, I'm heavily experienced at hiking and many other things. Trekking to boot. I mean, I think I've got some street cred when it comes to how much time I spend on the damn mountain and all the different capacities I do it. This is a strenuous hike. It will F you up. So if you're going to go do it, no, there's a lot of bouldering. There's a little bit of climbing, not bouldering, but, but, um, scrambling. There's a little bit of climbing. There's a whole lot of holding on to trees and branches, working your way down. It's a great hike for exercise, but what is it really, really great for? Well, Number one, there's a whole lot of history right there at the bottom that's really cool to go see with your own eyes. And it's also super, super, super in the middle of nowhere. I am talking you are in it thick, y'all. There is nothing within 15 or there's not a city, a town within 15 or 20 miles from you. There's not a house or a homestead within six or seven miles of you. When you hit this point, it's all downhill, all in the middle of nowhere all in deep, dense underbrush and forest, though the trail is, to be fair, very clear, except for one place where a huge tree was across it, and we had to scramble through the tree, but we made our way through it. Um, Easy enough. It's totally doable. But like, y'all, this is, you're down in it deep. Sound is dead. When you get down in valleys like that, with that much canopy, with that much foliage, with that much underbrush, sound is dead, and it's a really, really cool experience. If you've never experienced it, if you are a weekend warrior hiker who just goes to the trailheads that are right off of the paved road, you need to get into some of this sometimes because you really want to experience nature on nature's terms where you are an intruder on nature's, you know, in nature's um sanctum and really see it with your own eyes and hear it and experience it with all your senses. The Washita Mountains are for you right off of Poto Mountain Road right here in my lovely county of Sebastian County, Arkansas. Y'all. To be right here in the middle of the country and not like, say, in Montana or Alaska or some far off, quote unquote, exotic. <laughs> Montana's exotic, right? Um, Some exotic hiking destination that's going to cost you out the nose to go to. Come right here to the Washita Mountains, down here deep in them. You get way the heck back in there, y'all, and it's dead. And it's just you and Mama Nature. And you better stay on her good side because you could get real injured real fast down in there. And there are some critters that can do it. Wild boar. Like we talked about before, wild hogs. Um, there are bear, not grizzly bear, but black bear. And if there are cubs involved, they can be every bit as mean as a grizzly bear. And also the raccoons are the size of like labradoodles. Like, have you ever seen like a Washita Mountain raccoon back in the middle of nowhere? Like they're bigger than a medium sized dog. I don't, I would not want to tangle with a raccoon of that size. I mean, you need to make sure and keep like some snacks, keep some beef jerky, like real handy. So you can like throw it, <laughs> bait them further away from you. If you ever had a standoff with one, there's some they're nasty, nasty, big raccoons down there. You're really in it. And it is an awesome experience, y'all. And I'm not telling you that to scare you. Cause it's not like we didn't see any bear. We saw a bear track, but we didn't see any bear when we went down there. Um, I don't think we even saw a snake. I remember being a little bit surprised by that. I don't think we even saw a snake. I got a hell of a case of the chiggers, though. Did get that. 
I'm still dealing with some of the after effects of that. And it's been a month ago, but it's for real back there, y'all. It's for real back there. And for so many of us, I know that's what we're chasing right now desperately. And for a lot of you listeners of mine that are up there in NWA, Northwest Arkansas, and and people that are frequenting the Buffalo River Valley and the Mulberry River and all these awesome places across the state, many of you have expressed to me that you're getting a bit disgusted with how things have kind of changed, how overcrowded it has become. I have an answer for you. It's the Washita Mountains. So let's go on down the trail. Let's get on down to the bottom of the hill because let's go check out the rest of the trail. Um, It is, like I said, every bit of 970 foot, 72 feet of elevation drop over three miles. It's all there and it's a hike down. But once you get to the bottom, it levels out just a tiny, tiny bit and you come across, I believe it's Rock Creek. I have to go check our maps. Um, I did not set one here in front of me. All our pre-plan is elsewhere in a different folder. Okay. Um, but I believe it's Rock Creek and y'all down there, that little Creek, it still had water. We've been in a drought for like two months. Our whole summer has been a drought. We got down to Rock Creek and it's so deep down in that Valley, in those mountains up on that Hill where it's a little bit cooler, it's a little bit cooler. Um, there was still some pools of water. I mean, I dunked my hat. I soaked my hat, put that back on my head, washed my face down and cooled off a lot. We actually had a pretty cool day that day. Here's a little bit of advice, um, a little bit of knowledge. If you're ever planning a trip anywhere, because there was a lot of talk amongst the search and rescue team about how stinking hot it was, because the heat index that day was supposed to get up to like 100, or the temperature itself was like 102 to 105, I think, that day. And they were freaking out about us going on such a, a strenuous hike, which we were all like, yo, we're on the search and rescue team. Yo, this is what we do. We don't not go because it's hot. You just have to take more breaks. You do the things you learn to do in search and rescue, which is how to take more water breaks and how to like be safety conscious, super extremely safe aware. Like we not go out to look for someone, do we? Because the chiggers are bad this time of year. Heck no, we don't. We go. The four of us were ready to go that went and we went and we did it. But there was a lot of concern about that. And something that I realized, and I knew this kind of sort of subconsciously, so to speak, But it's always cooler the higher you go. That we know. Just general knowledge, right? But I figured out that day because the temperature was supposed to be, what was it, 102. And it was down in the River Valley. But up there on the mountain where we were, it was 92. And early in the morning, gosh, we woke up cold. We stayed the night. We were out there in hammocks and stuff, which we will talk about in the episode, the pre-plan episode. We'll talk about our camping adventure that night as well. But we woke up and it was chilly. I woke up in the middle of the night and I had to find something to throw over me because it got so chilly. You know, it's a hundred, it's still 85 degrees down in the valley in the middle of the night up there. It was closer to 65. For every thousand feet of elevation you gain, you're going to lose about five degrees over the, the predicted temperature or whatever the current temperature is down in the lower sections of wherever. For every thousand feet, you're going to lose or gain, no, lose. You're going to lose about five degrees. So if you're ever planning a trip in the middle of summer, but say you're in Colorado and you're going up to 12,000 feet, you can do a little math conversion and be like, oh, it'll be plenty mild up there today. Even though it's 100 degrees here, it's going to be 65 up there, whatever. It's not a hard and fast rule, okay? But it's a nice general idea. You're going to lose about five degrees for every thousand feet. And we actually had, temperature-wise, it was only in the low 90s. But in Arkansas where basically everything south of the Arkansas River's Valley is known as Satan's Sweat Shack, 
which is 100% not true. And I totally just made that up off the top of my head. But it should be because that's what it's like. I mean, can we make that a thing? If we can't make that a thing, somebody at least needs to name a cabaret that. Like, can we agree on that? Satan's sweat shack. Either way, the humidity is absolute insanity anywhere south of the Arkansas River Valley in Arkansas, always. So even though it was only 92 up there on the mountain, the humidity was crazy. And you want to talk about lose water weight? I can tell you roughly how much water weight I lost that day because I do weigh daily for, you know, multiple health reasons. Um, I couldn't up there cause I'd camped the night before, but I have a general idea of a pound or two range that it always is every morning. And I lost nine and a half pounds on that mountain that day of water weight. That is why you must be careful and you must hydrate often. Okay. Um, and you need to prehydrate more words of wisdom before you're going to go out and do something where you know, you're going to lose water weight, prehydrate, start Gatorade the day before start, you know, coconut milk. That's a good one for rehydration. Coconut body armor is a really good one. Anyway, start prehydrating and rest a lot. Check yourself a lot. Drink a lot of water, drink a lot of Gatorade. You know, I think you're supposed to cut that. Don't drink Pure water, that's another thing that a lot of people, people are starting to learn, but not a lot of people know. Do not drink all water all the time. Because on days where you're sweating like I was at nine and a half pounds of lost water weight, you are literally flushing all of your electrolytes, all of your salts, all of your minerals and things that you need in your body. You're flushing them all straight out of your body like fast. I mean, I'm talking like over a three hour hike, 10 pounds of water, literally nine and a half pounds of water in a three hour hike, you're flushing all the good stuff straight out. If you drink only water, which is why you're supposed to cut it one to one for every water you drink, you're supposed to drink Gatorade or a coconut milk or a body armor or what the heck ever. Powerade is a not Powerade. Um, Propel is a really great water um, because it's got a little bit of Gatorade going on and it's made by Gatorade or whatever. But anyway, we lost a lot of weight that day. Water weight wasn't healthy weight, but we lost a lot of water that day. It was intense, y'all. You talk about physical exertion going in and coming out. But down there at the bottom of that valley is this gorgeous, gorgeous clear water creek. And it's not running, but it is in large pools. There were still large amounts of standing water that we cooled off in to a certain degree. And once you hit Rock Creek going down, you are not far from the Bell Star Cave. And you're also close to a thing called the Mitchell Grave. Let's talk about the Mitchell Grave first, because I just want to give it a side note. I want to give it a sidebar, if you will. The Mitchell Grave, I don't know where the heck someone came up with that name. I'm not even positive there's a grave there, okay? You get down there, there is a little fence around a little plot of land, and there is a little sign that was made in like 1972 or 77. I felt like it was 77. Um, but I did a ton of Googling on this. You guys know me. I'm a research nerd. I love research. So I wanted to know about this Mitchell character. Who is this Mitchell character? Because one thing, spoiler alert, I can tell you is Bell Star probably never set foot in that stinking cave. That's 99% probable that she never set foot in that cave. And I'll tell you why in a minute. But we have no evidence of Bell Star down there whatsoever. But we have a ton of evidence of human occupation of that cave. And I'm curious if this Mitchell character wasn't the dude that built the things that are in that cave. However, there's no evidence whatsoever for this guy named Mitchell. They even have his first name. And I don't have it in front of me right now. But it's like some woman apparently figured out 
that this was this guy's grave and she like made it a point to put a sign up for him or whatever. The thing is, is like before, you know, in the 1970s, there was no GPR. We didn't have ground penetrating radar. Maybe there was a headstone at that time. There's not now. Um, there is no record that I can find. And I haven't gone to like, say, um, into the libraries in the towns closer to where this is located or anything and really dug into their archives. But all the history books and all the Google searching and all the Google scholar that I've looked through, and I even checked my own college's website for sourcing on certain things. You know, sometimes you'll find some, some real gems in there. I got nothing except this one lady. And it's not even a news article that says this lady figured this out and decided it. It's just, just like, it's like a website. Like I think it's a gen web website says some lady decided this is, was it and named it that. So I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. If anyone's buried in that hole, if it ever was a hole, but there is that. So that is of interest. It's something to check out, but the bell star cave itself, very, very cool. The Bell Star Cave itself is very, very cool. It is a tiny crack. I mean, it's like get down and not on your hands and knees, but you do have to squat down and really, really kind of to keep yourself off the ground. You got to make yourself real small to get through the crack to get in it. It is a natural crack, a natural kind of rock house, as we call them here in Arkansas and most of the South. Um, But somebody took the time in this tiny sliver that is open years and years and God knows how many years ago to build a rock, a stacked stone rock fireplace into the mouth of this thing. It's literally, it's genius. You'd have to see it. Go to the YouTube channel, go to my YouTube channel, wayward stories, um, youtube.com forward slash wayward stories. And you can see a video. Um, it's, it's labeled under pre-planning the bell star cave. Um, but you can go check this out and see how it's built. It's hard to explain, but they literally use the natural geology of the rock and how it was created and how close it was. And they made themselves sort of a semi wall and partition from the outside world and turned it into a fireplace where the, the hearth is on this side and it actually comes out the top on the other side. It's brilliant. And God knows how old it is. Y'all, it may go way back before bell star. Y'all that could be like indigenous people stuff. And for that matter, down there in the Valley, there are signs up that are placed in national forest and government properties that says, do not destroy our heritage, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all the way down that there's archaeological sites and things locally. Don't touch them. Don't mess with them. Don't disturb them. Don't move them. If you feel like it, report them to someone somewhere, but don't mess with it. The government may know. I don't know, but there's a chance this could be an indigenous site. I mean, hell, there's probably a good chance of that. But it has been ascribed to Bell Star. But I will tell you this. Go check it out and be respectful when you do. We drug a bunch of freaking trash out of that dang cave. And that infuriated me. But we dug a bunch of beer cans and a bunch of trash out of that cave and brought it out with us. But that cave is super cool. Super cool to go see. And there's a waterfall that drops down right over the top of it in the rainy season. We didn't have any water, unfortunately, because we've been in a drought forever, ever. But. A super cool cave, and you guys should go check it out. I do want to qualify my statement about Belfort Star probably never set foot there. Well, number one, there is no evidence of that. Number two, there's not any even like record that I can find that anyone has said that. Um, it may, upon really deep digging, show up in some local newspapers and whatnot, um, from way back in the day. But to be honest, that literally means nothing. There's no carvings on those walls that denote she was there. Um, old newspapers, people of lo local people, anywhere that, you know, anywhere in 
Arkansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, God, throwing Kansas, anywhere, Bell Star and Jesse James and Cole Younger and Frank James, all of those guys, that whole crew, so, so, so famous. I mean, you guys all know those names, right? They're that kind of famous. Everyone, if they're anywhere in a stone's throw of somewhere we do know they were, everyone wants to claim that. I mean, heck, we do that today. I have a friend who has a cousin who actually worked on a movie set with Tom Cruise or what the heck ever. Um, we love to claim fame that we don't really have sometimes. Like, we're just humans and it's something we do. It's something I've actually been studying here lately in college courses. It's really fascinating. I love some psychology classes. But anyway, there's like very... I cannot obviously prove that she was never there. But what I can tell you is that there's... The plausibility of it is low for multiple reasons. One, everywhere Bellstar stepped foot and spent any amount of time, there is a horse and a star or a saddle and a star or a B and an S and a star or a B and a star. There, She had a ton of ways that she carved her name into solid rock. Go to Robber's Cave in Wilberton, Oklahoma. Go look at that for yourself. Everyone should go to Robber's Cave anywhere close to here. Robber's Cave is incredible. We know for a fact she was there with Jesse James, with Frank James. Their names are carved all over the damn place. It's everywhere. She carved her name on everything. You can find, I couldn't find anything. I looked for it myself, but also there's no report of it being carved anywhere. Number two, it is like 20 miles into Arkansas, 26. I looked it up just to be sure. It's like 26 miles into the state of Arkansas in like 25 to 30 miles as the crow flies, as the horse rides is a better way to put it from Fort Smith, which is where we do know that she kicked it in Arkansas from time to time. Um, literally no reason for her to be in that part of the state of Arkansas because the Indian Territory, which is why they were here to start with, is 30 miles to the west. Why were they here for that? For any of you that are outside of these here United States, something you may not know, after we unceremoniously murdered the heck out of most of the indigenous peoples and killed them through various, you know, introduction of various diseases and then forced them off their ancestral lands and made them march themselves across four states and God knows how many miles for where most of them died on the trip. We said, here is some land that you can now have, which we in turn took back a hundred years later and stole all over again. It's ugly. But point is, Oklahoma before 1907 was Indian territory. Why does that matter to what I'm telling you right now? Is because that's why Bell Starr and Jesse James and Cole Younger and Frank James, why they even hung out around here is because the U.S. government had a whole heck of a lot jurisdiction. That long arm of the law turned into a Tyrannosaurus arm when it came to going into Indian territory. They hid out there because it was easier or it was harder to be captured. It was harder to be trailed if you were hanging out over there. And they did have a little bit of that Robin Hood mentality and they're over there with a bunch of disenfranchised people who already hated our federal government with super valid reasons. They took care of them. They all took care of each other, y'all. Like they were the working man's, you know, they were everyday guys and they, they got along. It worked out well. They hid out in Oklahoma, mostly at Younger Bend. You can go see Bell Starr's grave. By the way, let's just do a history podcast for the last part of the show. Why not? That's what Justin loves to talk about. You can go over to Younger Bend, just like 60-something miles. Like, if you want to find out where Bell Starr was, yeah, it was literally like 90 miles as the horse rides. 
From this little cave in the middle of nowhere, down in a deep ravine deep in Arkansas, which was still the United States of America at the time Bell Star would have been here, no, she was literally probably over there at Younger Bend, where she lived, where she is buried, where you can go see her headstone to this day. Not to poo-poo on anyone, though I just did. I poop in a lot of people's Wheaties, but I don't even care. Like, that is the truth of the matter. There's very little chance Bell Star ever had anything to do with that cave. But... I'm such a nerd, and I'm so sorry I just did that to all of you. But hey, you signed on for this. You click play on tonight's episode. You could have hit the eject button at any time. If you haven't, thanks for sticking around. It's just, this is y'all's world. I'm just like trying to find a place in it. But anyway, it's still an awesome cave, and it has, I would say, in my opinion, far more historical significance than a connection to Bell Star, because I get the very serious feeling from that stacked stone. It really does put off the vibes of an indigenous site, you know, something hundreds years old, like it could be the 1700s, the 1500s. It was, what did I tell you? The Washita Mountains, which meant land of the big hunt, which meant that's where the buffalo are. Go kill them there. There's a good chance it could have been a hunting party of the Caddo Nation. You know, some of the original peoples that were in this part of the state of Arkansas 300 years ago. It's a very cool site that you need to go see. And that could also explain the archaeological site warning signs that are right, you know, literally 150, 200 yards away. But it's a great, great, really cool experience, y'all, and some great options for some pictures. And like I told you, just the environment itself is absolutely incredible to witness and be a part of, like be in and experience with your senses. You're not hearing cars. You're not hearing noise from a highway that's two or three miles away no sir you're like 11 miles from the closest highway deep down in a valley beneath old growth trees that are 80 feet 100 feet tall down the side of a mountain that really is not fit for a billy goat to tread but you've managed your way down there or you've got a monster side by side if you really want to get down deep into it y'all the Washita Mountains, I'm telling you, is where you want to go to get away from the crowds of people and really, really commune with nature and really experience it on a more untouched level. Don't let me mislead you. It has been logged at various times in the last, you know, 100 to 200 or 100 years, 100 to 150 years. There have been homesteads on it. There's a lot of history on that mountain, which is the case with anywhere and anywhere because pioneers were proverbial badasses the stuff you ever find in the middle of nowhere you find a rock lined well and you're like i drove 90 percent of the way here on a paved road and then i hiked the last two miles and it nearly killed me and here's a rock lined well somebody brought a freaking mule up here with a wagon and probably 14 kids and a wife who was about to put out the 15th kid those people back then were insane y'all you talk about getting get get a freaking appreciation for the tenacity of humans, the resourcefulness of humanity. But anyway, the Washita's are a place here in the modern day, right here in the center of the country, not nearly as far away as that, that elusive, exotic Montana or Alaska. Like, and it's right here waiting on you to come and experience and see all the wildlife and hear what dead, literally dead silence truly, truly is like. And if you're willing to stay up there on that mountain, like we did that night, that we will again, we'll talk about in the episode when the next episode that we get to it, whenever we talk about pre-planning, I hung my butt in that hammock and watched the moon cross the sky and listened to all the animals sing me to sleep. Y'all, there's nothing, there's nothing, nothing like it. So the Bell Star Cave, great hike. 
great, great, great hike. Um, but it is a trek of sorts. There's a lot of washouts in the trail. There's a lot of ankle breakers, little bitty tiny rocks that will roll your ankle and send you down the side of a hill. Um, I mean, heck, the reason we were there, someone broke their leg, falling off a 30-foot bluff just like two weeks before, and we got down there and got busy with that idea to go on a pre-plan. But it's really there for you to do if you really, really are looking for some good exercise, if you're looking to really kind of get into nature and really experience. It's a cool hike, and you've got Slate Falls right up the road. That's another trail. When it's raining, that's actually a really cool waterfall. I've not seen it with my own eyes. I've seen pictures. Slate Falls is super close. You can do a two-day thing, stay the night, hike one one day, one the next. But just be prepared. You're back in there. You know, trip notes, travelogue-style trip notes. It's going to look to you like you should approach this. When you go to Poto Mountain Road and you Google Map it, it's probably going to tell you you should come at it from Highway 71 South and take it from east to west. Do not, unless you have a very capable four-wheel drive and it's not a super, super huge four-wheel drive. Because there's a tight spot in there where it's just you, the wall of the mountain, and a long damn way down to the ground on the other side and it made me uncomfortable we crossed it several times because again we were up there pre-planning we had a lot of things we were checking out and getting gps coordinates etc etc every time i crossed it and squeezed through that little area it made me so uncomfortable and i got a little extera it's on a truck frame but it's still a small truck it's on like an you know it's on a mid-sized pickup truck frame it's a tiny it's got a great turning radius i was uncomfortable every time every time made me just kind of shudder a little bit. Ugh. Come in from the east side. Go down through Hartford and Hackett. Go through, you know, and use those names. I don't know what else to tell you, but when you Google it, look, there's a way to approach it from the north. You come straight down into it and you hit Poto Mountain from the west approach. Go from west to east and the road is totally pretty darn navigable. You could probably get an Altima down there, honestly. You could probably get a car down there as far as Slate Falls. Slate Falls to Bell Star Trailhead. It starts getting sketchy. You could probably still do it in a smaller car. Do not bring like a passenger wagon, a sedan, anything like that up from the west to or the east to the west. Do not come from 71 South towards the Bell Star Cave. I'm telling you, do not do it. It will beat you to death. It will destroy your car. That side, that's a good god there's places you're darn near rock crawling y'all it was crazy so approach it from west to east and you can go down there and have you a couple of really really good hikes i do hope you'll go down there and that you'll be super careful because i don't want to have to come out there at three o'clock in the morning and drag you off the side of the mountain or down to the trailheads for the ohv trails where we can put you in a live flight like what happened you know last time a month and a half ago um don't don't do that don't do that don't get hurt you know be super responsible, super safe, bring plenty of water, whatever. But y'all, come check out our Wachita's. Don't sleep on the Wachita's. I mean, heck, you're just now waking up to the state of Arkansas and you are hyper-focused on the Ozarks. Spread the love out a little bit. You know, relieve some of that overcrowding. Come check out the Wachita's. If you really want to get back in it, this is the place to go for you guys who really are in it because you want to get back to what things used to be like and see the world for the way that it is in its most natural state. That's what the Washita's are great for. And there are hundreds of thousands of vast, vast acres of mountains for you to check out all the way from central Arkansas into a 
good portion of Southeast Oklahoma. They are vast. They are mostly publicly owned through the National Forest Service, and they're there for you to enjoy. And I do hope that you guys will get out there and enjoy them. And I also hope that you enjoyed tonight's episode. I hope it wasn't too rambly. Um, Sometimes, guys, it really is hard for me to stay mentally 100% here and present when I've got so much going on. And I hope that when I get through editing all these, I usually feel like, hey, that flowed okay. That came out pretty good. I feel like that's a reasonable episode that I can put out to the public and not feel guilty about. But sometimes, sometimes the rabbit trails catch up with me because my brain is on overload. But if you stayed with us this long, I absolutely appreciate it. I thank you guys for checking out the show every week. I'm loving watching these numbers swell. And you guys, again, like I said, get in touch with me. Send me an email at mywaywardstory at gmail.com. Go over to the website waywardstories.com there you can find the links to the instagram to the tiktok i told you guys a couple of episodes ago i'm tiktokity like we're on the tiktok and actually doing like some pretty cool stuff over there i think this tiktok is actually driving a lot of the freaking downloads of the the podcast because i'll see i'll drop a, a clip from an old episode that i haven't had anything going on with for months drop a clip out of it and then suddenly I see a spike in downloads of that episode. So people are seeing it on TikTok and then going and finding the episode. That's awesome. That's so cool. Anyway, waywardstories.com. You can find the link to TikTok. You can find it Instagram, Facebook, all the things, all the different places we are and all the things we're doing. Please rate, review, and subscribe. I will get on my knees and beg because I have no shame to get reviews out of you guys, especially on Apple Podcasts, especially on Spotify, because those are the hardest places. I mean, you just almost have to milk them out of people to get those reviews. You have to do it. I've had a few people tell me I couldn't find where to do it. You have to do it from the show's main page. You can't do it from the episode page that you're listening to. You have to click on the show itself and be at the show's main page. And right there, at least on Apple Podcasts, it'll say rate this show. I would love it if you would rate and leave a review. It means a ton. But anyway, I appreciate you guys sticking around. Not trying to spend 20 minutes on the outro housekeeping. So we're going to cut it loose, get out of here so I can get to editing and get on with some homework that I need to get done. And uh, yeah, get on with the rest of our weeks, y'all. I look forward to seeing you here in two more weeks. And until then, you guys go out there, find you a nice backcountry trail down the side of a mountain and if you run into anyone make sure and be good to each other